there are going to be moments where you do miss the forest for the trees, but there are also moments of realization similar to in meditating when you're like focusing on your breath and you realize that you wander off in thought and the goal is just to bring yourself back once you realize, once you have that realization, bring yourself back to then focus on the breath again. When you have the realization of missing the forest for the trees, bring yourself back and remember to appreciate life. What up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 171 of the podcast, the first podcast of 2021. And in this episode, I speak about watching the Disney movie Soul. I also speak about watching the series Cobra Kai and the Netflix four-part special, Schultz Saves America. But first, if you're a fan of the show, if you fuck with the Spun Today podcast, here is a quick way that you can help show that support. You know that feeling you get on a Monday when the weekend already feels like a distant memory and the next one feels like it's weeks away? Have no fear, my friends. The Spun Today newsletter is here. And it's here to make it so that your Mondays don't have to suck. Come on, guys. I can lead you to the water, but I can't make you drink it. You have to do that part on your own by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. I put together a free weekly newsletter that I send out to all of my subscribers every Monday at noon. Here's what's in it. A photo of the week so that you can take your mind off the mundane and enjoy the scenic route. A podcast of the week because I listen to dozens of podcasts every single week from a wide range of shows. And I cherry pick the very best ones and recommend them to you here. The Sponsoring Newsletter also includes a video of the week, which will include anything from a TED Talk, to a rap battle, to a tasty recipe that I stumbled upon, or a dope interview. A quote of the week for some food for thought. And a word of the week for my fellow wordsmiths out there to step up your vocab. So you'll be getting five things absolutely for free every Monday at noon in your inbox. If you choose to subscribe, all you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you'll get the very next one. Soul is a movie that is currently streaming on Disney+. Plus. It is a Pixar animation. The movie was co-directed by Pete Docter, who also directed Up, and Kemp Powers. And it was co-written by Pete Docter, Kemp Powers, and Mike Jones. And here is the official synopsis of the movie. Quote, what makes you you? Pixar Animation Studios... All-new feature film, Soul, introduces Joe Gardner, voiced by Jamie Foxx, a middle school band teacher who gets the chance of a lifetime to play at the best jazz club in town. But one small misstep takes him from the streets of New York City to the great before, a fantastical place where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interests before they go to Earth. Determined to return to his life, Joe teams up with a precautious soul, 22, voiced by Tina Fey, who has never understood the appeal of the human experience. As Joe desperately tries to show 22 what's great about living, he may just discover the answers to some of life's most important questions. Now, I want to touch on a little bit the all-star cast that did the voice acting for this movie, starting with Jamie Foxx, who is just an incredible talent both in comedic acting, dramatic acting, comedy in general, music. He's the voice of the main character. Tina Fey is the voice of 22, which is the soul that doesn't want to return back to Earth, doesn't get the appeal of living. Then you also have Ms. Felicia Rashad, who plays Jamie Foxx's mother, a.k.a. Mrs. Huxtable. You got hilarious 
Donnell Rawlings, which is a stand-up comic, has a podcast. If you guys want to check it out, the Donnell Rawlings podcast. He's the one of the like main openers for Dave Chappelle. He's in this. Quest Love is in it. Angela Bassett's in it. And it just goes on and on. It's really a dope cast. But yeah, the story is playing with the concept of some of life's biggest questions. Why are we here? What is our purpose? What is the meaning of life? And it does so through the lens of our main character, Joe Gardner, who is this like struggling jazz musician, very passionate about playing jazz, but you know needs to pay bills. So he becomes a part-time middle school band teacher and just tries to get gigs like on, on nights and weekends. He's from Queens, New York, by the way. Shout out, Queens. And he's pursuing this, I want to make it as a jazz musician dream, much to his mother's chagrin. Because his father was also a musician, and his mother saw his father struggle in that life. Struggle to make it. Struggle with disappointment. His father, who has since passed. And she has a small tailoring shop where you know she tailors clothing. She mentions in the film how, you know, most of the times she was the one paying the bills. She's just worried that once she passes away, that our main character, Joe Gardner, is not going to have someone to help support him and pay his bills if this dream of his does not pan out. So in the very beginning of the movie, while he's teaching his his band class, he the principal passes by and actually tells him, congratulations, you are now a full time teacher. You have benefits, you no longer have to worry about working part-time, etc. And to most folks, I would imagine, in the in that position, going from a part-time gig to a full-time gig, that would be good news, welcome news. And although he accepts it, he does so reluctantly with a bit of a realization of, oh my God, is this going to be my life? Am I not going to make it in terms of playing jazz? And so after school, he you know passes by his mother's shop and tells her the news and you know she's thrilled, she's happy. And doubles down on the, you're telling them that, yes, that you are taking this, right? And you're setting aside those dreams of becoming a jazz musician. And again, while he hesitantly agrees like to appease her, he gets a phone call from an old student of his that he taught in his band class that is now playing drums for a famous local saxophonist called Dorothea Williams. And what Joe plays is the piano. So the student tells him over the phone, hey, Mr. G, I just want to tell you that I actually got a gig playing with Dorothea Williams. It's all thanks to you because of you is why I even stayed in school and fell in love with music, et cetera, et cetera. And Joe tells him how awesome that is and that, oh, my God, if he ever got a chance to play with Dorothea Williams, that he would die a happy man. And his old student tells him, well, today's your lucky day then because she she actually is looking for a new pianist and I mentioned your name. So if you can come by such and such a jazz club for her to hear what you do, you know, no promises, but maybe, you know, she'll, she'll bring you on as, as part of the quartet. So he's like, what? That's amazing. He flips out and then he heads over to, to this audition. And by the way, Pixar is dope. Like they're, they're known for their animation, obviously, right, and how realistic everything looks. To me, I, I feel like they double down on that with this film in terms of, like, the feel and the look of the city. Like, aesthetically, like, the street, the buildings, just, like, everything just seemed so authentic and so real. It was super dope, so kudos to them for that. So then he goes to this audition. You know, he's, like, a little starstruck, uh, but he starts playing. You see him, uh, like, fumbling a little bit in the beginning, and Dorothy is, like, not impressed at all. Then he just, like, gets in the groove and starts playing. He starts feeling the music. He starts getting into the zone, into a flow state, which we got a little taste of before when he was teaching his class. And there was a student in the class that was playing the trumpet and or trombone. I think it was a trombone. You know, she kind of got, like, lost in the music and started, like, improvising a little bit. And the class started laughing or whatever, but... He explained to the class that that's a good thing, what she's doing. And then he got, you know, tells the story of how he fell in love with jazz music. And then while he's playing the piano and telling the class that story, he, like, gets lost in the music and goes into this, like, flow state. So that happens again when he's auditioning for Dorothea after she's not impressed, etc. And then she's like, oh, shit, where the fuck have you been? 
And she, as well as his old student, which is playing the drums, and the other person that's part of the quartet, which is playing the bass, I believe, are just like standing in awe to how he just played. And she pretty much welcomed him to the quartet and said, you know, go get a suit, come back. Tonight's gig is at nine. And at seven o'clock, we do a sound check. So be here by then. So he's obviously over the moon, happy as shit. He's getting his big break that night, completely out the blue. You know, he walks out, he's walking through the city, he's on the phone, he's super excited, he's telling, talking to somebody about the gig that he just got, etc. And you see he's not really paying attention to his surroundings, and like a car almost hits him, then a bus almost hits him, then something just like falls off the side of a building, some bricks or something, and, and almost almost hit him. And he's just like walking aimlessly, super excited. Then when he starts paying attention to his surroundings, he's like, oh shit, and he like sidesteps a car or, or a moped or motorcycle or something. And then he's like, wow, you know, like close call kind of thing. And then he takes another like step or two and falls down an open manhole and dies. So then from there, he, you just see his soul, which is like this blue flowy looking humanoid kind of thing. He's like picture outer space or picture like the cosmos. And he's like on this flat treadmill that's automatically going towards a big bright light. And there are other souls on this treadmill. And he's asking people, what is this? Oh, my God, am I dead? I can't die. Well, you know, what is this? And some lady tells him that this is like the path to the great beyond. He's like, what? And he's like resisting it. He's like, no, I can't go. And he starts like walking away from from the light. Something hilarious that happens is that he's like, what? No, no, I can't be dead. This can't be happening. And then, you know, some of the spirits like float up into the light when they get to like the end of the escalator thing. Then you just hear like a bug zapper, like when they when they hit the light. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he doesn't curse, but he kind of has like that that kind of um, reaction. Like, what the fuck was that? And then there he's like, hell no, I'm getting the fuck out of Dodge. And then he's like resisting and running running backwards, you know, jumping over, over other souls and through the crowd. And he winds up like accidentally falling into what they call in the movie The Great Before. So instead of like accepting death and going to the great beyond, he resists it and goes into this place that's called the quote-unquote great before and this is the place where souls pick up their character traits and their quirks and their personalities and they have you know these experiences and once they have like a full range of experiences and they find their quote-unquote spark on you know like what makes them want to live then they're able to go to the earth portal with their earth pass and go back into uh, a body or go into a body on earth and there is a role for souls that are in this, like, in-between place to become mentors to other souls. And since he kind of makes it there by mistake, he, like, finagles his way into becoming a mentor. And he's asked to be the mentor for a soul named 22, which has no interest in living. She just wants to, like, aimlessly be a soul that's in this in-between place. She doesn't see the reason for wanting to live and, you know, later we find out that she's just, like, afraid of living and kind of, like, comfortable in the little box of existence that she has carved out for herself. But he's happy to become her mentor because since she doesn't want to go back, he says that he's going to help her obtain her earth pass, you know, find her spark, which she has to do by being inspired by something that motivates her to want to live. And then she agrees to just give the earth pass to Joe, who desperately wants to get back to his body because he wants to do so in time to make it to this gig that is the moment that he's been waiting for all his life i like also in the movie that during this uh period when they're in the great before there are like a bunch of witty jokes and it shows like 22 going through several different mentors like marie antoinette and abraham lincoln and freud and carl young and there's a, a bunch of like witty little jokes within their interactions, which I appreciated. Like one, for example, is she asks um, Abraham Lincoln if he's upset that he's on the penny. And he's like, no, it's an honor to be on any, you know, form of money or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, really? Because Andrew Jackson's on the 20. And then Abe f- flips out and he's like, Andrew Jackson, what the fuck? Minus the fuck, because, you know, it's a Pixar movie, so <laughs> there's no cursing in it. But he's very upset about that. Anyway, they go through a bunch of the usual uh, experiences that you can do. There's something called the Hall of Everything where you can experience everything there is to do in life, like play basketball or eat pizza or 
you know, shoot archery and you get to test everything to see what is something that gives you that spark, something that makes you want to, you know, play music, something that makes you want to live. And they did everything, and 22 is just like, see, I told you, you know, nothing gave me that spark. Like, I didn't want to do anything. And long story short, or at least a little shorter, because still got a ways to go here. They find this, like, connector, soul connector, fixer, shaman guy that is able to help them out and, and try to get Joe back into his body. And they go through these rituals, and Joe is, like, in a rush, like, the entire time. And even in this, these types of interactions where he's already... Like, he's dead, and he's finding a way to get back into his body and, you know, live again. He's not even doing that the quote-unquote right way that it's normally done. And he's cutting corners. And even within this situation of the guy that's going to help him cut the corners to get into his body, he's even rushing that. And it's just a testament to the very myopic mindset that he has of, this is my dream, this is what I got to do, I got to get back at all costs, nothing else matters type of mentality that the character has in the beginning and throughout most of the movie and they open up this portal to his body which is lying in a hospital with a quote-unquote therapeutic cat that somebody brought into his room that's uh nearby he's in such a rush even though the shaman's like all right give it a few more minutes you know let the you know connection be stronger he's like no but i see myself right there he jumps and dives in but in doing so he knocks in 22 as well into the portal and he winds up going into the body of the cat, while 22 winds up going into his body. So then, you know, Joe still has his one-track mind. He's like, all right, fuck it, we're going to make this work. You're in my body. I'm in the body of the cat. Just do everything I say. We got to get you ready, get you to this gig so you can play. Just be part of the band, and we'll figure out how to, you know, switch bodies, like, later on or whatever. And it's interesting because the mentee, even though, you know, she didn't want to be there, but she starts experiencing life through being in Joe's body. And she smells and tastes pizza for the first time. And she starts getting an appreciation of music. And she tries different foods. And looking up at the sky and at the leaves. And she starts getting this appreciation for life that she's like, oh shit, this isn't that bad. Then there was another interesting scene when one of Joe's students passes by for for like tutoring or or like a lesson. You know, he kind of tells 22, which is in his body, to, you know, get rid of her, tell her that we can't do it today. And 22 goes to talk to her a little bit. And the student is Connie, the one that got lost, you know, playing the trombone in class. That she got, like, lost, like, into it. She's pretty much saying, you know, I hate music. Uh, I don't want to do it anymore or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, like, 22 is kind of, like, of that mentality. Yeah, music sucks. Don't do it. Don't do anything you, you don't want to do. Then she's like, yeah, but can you just listen to to this one thing that I was working on? And if you don't like it, then, then I'll just quit because I don't want to do this anyway or whatever. And then she starts playing and again gets like lost in it and plays good and then 22 in joe's body tells her oh that you know that was pretty good etc connie in turn says so maybe you know maybe i shouldn't quit i'll just you know continue to work on it a little bit connie you know being you know 12 year old kid is just like looking for encouragement and you know battling the self-doubt that we all deal with at all ages but definitely is exacerbated more in adolescence before you know more of like who you are and what it is that you want and stuff like that and then 22 sees that transition of connie going from you know i hate this i'm gonna quit music to you know what i i i do like it i am gonna you know stick with it and and keep doing it and it kind of makes her coupled with all the experiences that she's been having these new experiences of you know tasting the pizza and looking up at the sky and appreciating the leaves and stuff like this that maybe living isn't that bad. Maybe there is something to this whole, like, living thing and, you know, not being so morose and skeptical all the time. And what I thought was an interesting, like, juxtaposition of characters was Joe's previous student that was singing him praises and got him the gig that would, quote-unquote, change his life, who only went to school because of Joe, versus the experience of the current talented student, which wants to, like, quit music because but knows that it's her thing and how he's in this narrowly focused selfish mindset not realizing how he has touched students in the past and has been such a positive influence and is touching students now and has the ability to either be another positive influence or a complete detrimental influence in you know discouraging this girl and i just thought that was like an interesting juxtaposition between those uh, those two characters 
But anyway, Joe has to get fresh. So he, you know, gets uh, puts on this like old suit, which doesn't like fit as well and goes to the barber because uh, he tries to like have the cat or the cat tries to the cat being Joe tries to line up 22's hair, but like fucks it up, obviously, because it's a fucking cat. <laughs> and they wind up going to the barbershop. And the barber is played by Donnell Rawlings. And this is like another like realization moment for for Joe. Because what's interesting is that Joe being in the body of the cat, which is obviously following following around uh, his body and, you know, telling 22 like what to do and what to say and stuff like that most of the time, he's able to be kind of like a fly on the wall with the people that are in his life. But he gets to see them from like different points of view because, you know, 22 is is doing the talking and he's forced to to do more of the listening. And also 22 asks questions and 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 things like that that he normally wouldn't because he was more like focused on shit that he was into and what he wanted to talk about etc so he goes to the barber which he explains to 22 is somebody that he's been going to for years and it's somebody that was like definitely born to to be a barber that you know being a barber must have been his soul's spark and then in speaking to him he he finds out that the barber played by, again, Donnell Rawlings, actually had a dream of being a veterinarian. But when he got out of the Navy, which, by the way, Donnell Rawlings was actually in the Navy, so I'm not sure if they wrote that in on purpose, but if they did, it's cool. If not, a pretty cool coincidence. He finds out Donnell wanted to be a veterinarian, but when he got out of the Navy, his daughter was sick, and he couldn't afford veterinary school, so he went to barber school, which was cheaper. You know, Joe hearing this from the perspective of, you know, somebody losing their dream of becoming a veterinarian, like apologize and said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry that you're unhappy and not weren't able to fulfill your dream. And then I was like, Whoa, 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 slow your roll. Who the hell said I'm unhappy? I'm fucking happy as hell. Happy as a clam, I believe is the term he used because he, and he explains, you know, he gets to speak to a bunch of different types of people and find out what's going on in their lives and gets to make them look fresh and you know make them happy and satisfied and he learned to love what it is that he he does and that was like a a scene and a realization for joe's character that plays into that theme of missing the forest of his life for the trees of his dream if you will then he finds himself having another like character developing moment where he confronts his mother about her not supporting him and you know following this dream of his you know he's able to see and like listen to his mother's uh, point of view you know being in the body of the cat while 22 does a lot of the talking he sees it you know from her perspective and you know she's just like worried more than anything else about him not being able to pay bills etc and but she they come away from that conversation with understanding each other a little bit more and him saying that you know this is his reason for living and he would feel like his life was a complete waste if he if he didn't pursue it his mother realizing probably that he had a lot of what her husband his father had as well that he felt like that passionately about it she kind of sort of gives him his blessing and his father's like old suit which looks a lot better than the suit that he had on so that was definitely like cool to see as well then something happens and on his way to the gig or like him chasing after 22 because 22 doesn't want to uh 22 comes to the realization that she wants to live she like has her spark and then him chasing after her he uh they like slip and like die again the souls go back to this great before and you know uh 22 now has her spark she found her spark but they're at odds with each other she's like she wants to live but he's saying you only want to live because you experience life through like my eyes it's really my life you know, yeah, you don't really care about any of that stuff. You just feel like you found your spark because you were living like as me through me through the stuff that I love. And she, she's kind of like upset about it and she doesn't want to give up the earth mask. But then she's like, fuck it. And, you know, chucks it at him and disappears. He was about to throw it back. But, you know, she like disappeared. And he's like, fuck it. Let me go make it to this to this gig. I can still make it goes, makes it to the gig, has the show of a lifetime. His mother's in the audience. Everybody sees it. You know, he gets into that flow state again while he's playing, and it's everything he ever dreamed of that it could be. Then when everybody's leaving the club, and, you know, he's leaving as well, he go he leaves, and he's waiting for a cab, and so is Dorothea. She's, like, congratulating him, you know, his, his first night having a big gig, and, and, you know, enjoy it, take it all in, et cetera. 
and he's kind of like dejected and she's like you know what's going on what's wrong and he explains to her he was like you know i've been waiting for this moment my entire life i just thought that i would feel different and dorothea gives him like a dope deep wise analogy and just tells him this like little story which is the story about a fish that's swimming around and saying that he wants to find the ocean he asks every fish that he finds where the ocean is and an older fish tells him you're in the ocean and the younger fish responds this is water what i want is the ocean and then she just leaves him with that and like that little analogy is playing again to that missing the forest for the trees theme of this movie that was a really dope scene so then joe is flashing back and thinking about certain moments that he had with 22 and how she was enjoying life and he was being like a killjoy and like completely self-absorbed when she was saying things hey maybe like you know looking at the sky and at the stars and the and the leaves or you know taking walks maybe the, those kind of things can be my spark and he was like poo-pooing that and saying things like that's not a spark that's just regular old living which in actuality is just him taking life for granted and then he's thinking back on moments in his life which he took for granted like just playing the piano with, with his dad before he died and you know his dad was old and he was like sitting at the piano with his dad and playing the piano for him and like eating a piece of pie and like fleeting moments in life that we all take for granted and he finally comes to the realization that that was living that it wasn't just this dream that he had that once he finally obtained it just didn't taste as sweet so he devises this plan to play the piano and get into this flow state again because again, when you you when you're in that state of flow, as a writer myself, I could like appreciate this because when you do anything creative, whether it be writing, painting, etc., you get into flow states, right? But the way they describe this flow state in the movie is the space between the spiritual and reality. So he does this so that he can get back to that shaman guy, which showed him initially that flow state place from the other side, and track down twenty two, and then pretty much tell 22 how he fucked up and how those things could be her spark and convince her to live the way she had already like pretty much convinced herself that she wanted to and he finally convinces her and you know she reluctantly accepts but she's like you know but how about you and he's like i did it already i lived already you know she finally takes the plunge to go down to earth to live and then he's back on the treadmill to the great beyond and for his inspiration and his selflessness, he's actually offered another chance at life. In accepting that chance, he promises to make sure that this time around, he lives every minute of it. Which was the moral of the story. Be present. Be in the now. Be into the now. Be into the trivial things or the fleeting things that you may think are trivial in your life. Don't miss the forest for the trees. Although throughout life, there are going to be moments where you do miss the forest of the trees, but there are also moments of realization similar to in meditating when you're like focusing on your breath and you realize that you wander off in thought and the goal is just to bring yourself back once you realize, once you have that realization, bring yourself back to then focus on the breath again. When you have the realization of missing the forest for the trees, bring yourself back and remember to appreciate life. And although it is great, in my opinion, to have a dream, to have goals, to strive for things. As one of the characters tells Joe, your spark, that thing that you're into, is not your purpose for living. It's not your sole purpose for living. And she kind of like dismissively says, like, all oh, you humans are so simplistic in that form of thinking. So keep that in mind, folks. Anyway, that is my review and reflection of the movie Soul, which is streaming now on Disney+. Plus. Cobra Kai, now streaming on Netflix, by the way. For those of you that don't know, seasons one and two of Cobra Kai were YouTube originals. They were produced by YouTube Red, and the show became fairly popular, and now Netflix purchased it from YouTube Red. So you can see the original season one, as well as season two on Netflix, and season three premiered on Netflix. Which is pretty dope, especially for, not just for the fans, but the cast and crew, I would imagine, because Netflix is such a 
you know, wider distributed platform than YouTube's fairly new premium option. Like YouTube itself is obviously ubiquitous, right? It's everywhere. But the YouTube Red, a lot of people, because of the show Cobra Kai, paid for the subscription or got like the free trial of the sub- subscription to watch the show and then either canceled after the free trial or or after they finished binge watching the show. So I would imagine that being on Netflix, they have a, a lot of a wider reach. But anyways, a bunch of writing credits to give on this series. So I'm just going to rattle off the names, starting with Jason Belleville, Bob Thierden, Alyssa Forlater, Mattia Green, Stacey Harmon, Josh Heald, John Hurwitz, Robert Mark Kamen, Kevin McManus, Matthew McManus, Joe Pierulli, Hayden Schlossberg, Michael Jonathan Smith, and Luann Thomas. Shout out to all the writers. So this show for me and for many folks obviously checks off the nostalgia box. You know, I've covered seasons one and two on previous episodes of the Spot Today podcast. Feel free to go back and check them out. And I enjoyed the first couple seasons. The second more, even more than the first. Actually, I might be lying. I think I think the first one was pretty dope. Maybe I like them like equally, but they're like uh, like blurring in my memory right now. But I definitely liked the third season so far, most of all, because they've been, in my opinion, what my only criticism, or you know, one of my criticisms for seasons one and two is that although although you know it checked off the nostalgia box and from a creative storytelling perspective, it's a really dope way to enter the world of the Karate Kid from a different perspective and for those of you that don't know and don't watch the show they pretty much start off the series from the perspective of Johnny which was the quote-unquote bully from the movies in Karate Kid at least in part one they enter this story with telling more of his origin story and the events that happened in the movies from his perspective and you start he becomes the person that you're rooting for and then you see him as not just being not being a bully, but you know being a kid that grew up with without his dad, and then had a stepfather that treated him like shit, and he had this sick twisted mentor in in his sensei Crease, which we learn a lot more about in this season in terms of his background and and origin story, and in terms of his girlfriend Allie, which is the girl that Daniel Larusso, who is the new kid that comes to town, winds up you know taking from him, pretty much. You know, it's not that he was such a dick to Allie. You know, he was in love with her and just had, you know, disagreements and, you know, fights or whatever that you have as a couple, especially in, like, high school days and shit like that. And during one of those disagreements, this new kid, you know, swoops in and, like, stole this girl, pretty much. You know what I mean? So you start, like, feeling for the guy. Anyway, that was, like, super creative way of storytelling. So aside from those things that I love about the show... One of my biggest criticisms is that certain things were a little like on the nose or, and a little like corny. And I feel that here in the third season, although you still have sprinkles of that, like throughout like cheesy corny, it's not as heavy handed as it has been in seasons past. And obviously during a season three of a show, you you know, you're playing more with the like character development and going deeper into the characters. And learning more about them, especially from this new angle that that we're viewing the world of the Karate Kid from. And that's obviously a a bunch of fun. So the season two left off with, you know, this like epic fight in the school between the two rival rival dojos. And Miguel, one of the main characters of the show, falls off a balcony or gets kicked off a balcony by Robbie and falls on his back and then it ends with him you know people not knowing if he's gonna live or die if he's in a coma or he is in a coma etc and this season picks up where that one left off Miguel is in a coma I believe it was for two weeks at least the kid Robbie that kicked him off which is the biological son of of Johnny Lawrence but the karate student of Daniel Russo he bails he's like on the run people don't know where he is a large part of this episode is, you know, looking for him and trying to track him down. Not just the police, which were, like, looking for him, but, you know, his father as well as Daniel LaRusso, which feels responsible for him and wants to, you know, help him make the right decision and turn himself in. And, you know, he'll do less time that way, etc. 
And in doing so, Daniel and Johnny are forced to like bond a bit more. From at least from my perspective, in watching the show, you're you're seeing these two character arcs of Daniel and Johnny, seeing them from opposite perspectives that you would expect to see them to see you know see them as, as I alluded to a little earlier, where you know Johnny's now the quote unquote good guy or or at least the guy that you're rooting for, and Daniel Larusso is is you're kind of seeing like in the light of being a bit of a dick and you're not really rooting for him as much. And their arcs are like inevitably going to cross where to a point where you start rooting for Daniel Moore in certain situations and uh, understand his perspective on things and then vice versa with Johnny. And at least as a spectator, you're like looking for them throughout this series to mend like these what are in hindsight like petty differences that they're, they're getting like hung up on and then certain things that are a bit more serious but that those petty differences from the past just like exacerbate and when they get, when you think they get close to like m- mending and maybe for- forging some sort of relationship like something else goes wrong it's like oh fuck then you have the storyline of crease th- where we learn a lot more about him and his background which is dope that that this show is doing that taking a deep dive into supporting characters like that we find out you know that he joined the army which we we knew he he was in the military, but we see like flashback scenes as to why he does so, and then he's recruited to be part of these like special forces missions and stuff like that, and he's in Vietnam, and he and a few members from his crew wind up getting captured and are prisoners of war. The Vietnamese cats that took them in are like forcing them to fight to the death, like one by one, and his commanding officer didn't tell him right before they left on that mission that his girlfriend from back home had died in a car accident. And so they're like beefing back and forth now that they're all captured and stuff like that and, you know, facing inevitable death. And they select them two to fight each other. And right before they do, the commanding officer tells him in a very mockingly way about his girlfriend dying and stuff like that to try to get in his head and, you know, obviously kill him. Then they start fighting, but Kreese wins the fight. But right as he does, the platoon is, like, getting saved. There's, like, a airstrike attack from the army in that base that they were, like, prisoners of war. The commanding officer is, like, holding on, like, to this ledge. And at the bottom is, is like, a pit that they're falling, you know, the guys that lose the fight are falling into and getting fucking attacked by poisonous snakes, cobras, which is where Kreese developed the name, you know, Cobra Kai from. Instead of... Kreese like lifting him up now that they're saved and he knows that they don't have to fight to the death he like kicks him and you know pretty much tells him to go fuck himself and die and now Kreese is getting in the head of new students that he stole from Johnny from the Cobra Kai that Johnny started and you know kick Johnny out he's no longer the sensei Kreese is brainwashing this subset of kids that didn't leave to go to either Miyagi-Do or with Johnny that are you know obviously impressionable and he's brainwashing them the same way he did to johnny and his crew back in the day with this like no mercy sweep the leg type of attitude so you got like that whole thing going on and what's really great also about this season they brought back a few more characters from the movies so you have ali which is the love interest i'll, I'll tell you guys a, a bit about her in a second Kumiko, which was from Karate Kid 2, the movie, when Daniel goes to Okinawa, Japan with Mr. Miyagi and he meets that girl, which is like his love interest there. And Chosen, which is the nephew of Sato, which is the guy that Daniel winds up having to fight to death to save uh, Kumiko's life. And oh, and there was also a scene, I forget the girl's name, but it was like a little girl that Daniel, during a storm, climbed a tree and, and put her on his back and helped her down because she was like scared to come down by herself. And that girl winds up making a, a little cameo at the very end as well, which is pretty cool. It's dope because, you know, Kumiko, you know, he sees her and she shows Daniel like some letters that Mr. Miyagi had written to her mom or aunt that which was her uh mr miyagi's like um love of his life you know he mr miyagi's writing him about daniel and how he feels like he daniel is his family in america and 
he's like the grandfather of Daniel's children and drops some like life lesson gems, which Daniel needed to hear. And then Kumiko calls Chosen to like come meet them and have lunch and stuff like that. And then leaves Chosen and Daniel together. And at first you don't know if Chosen is going to be a bad guy and, you know, rehash this rivalry that they have similar to kind of like Johnny back home. But they actually Chosen and Daniel wind, wind up like learning from each other. And Daniel finds out that there's like this whole other like facet to Miyagi-Do Karate that Chosen's uncle Sato was taught by his sensei, which was the same sensei that Mr. Miyagi had. So they learned from the same sensei. But there was a more offensive approach uh, to karate, not just defense only. But it was for the purposes of taking the ability away from your opponent that is waging war, like taking that ability away from them, which comes in handy later on in the season. Then you have Allie, which was dope the way that they brought her back into the story. You know, she comes back to town. She's actually divorced now. She has a kid. And you think they're setting it up for some sort of... um, setting her up as like a love interest not with daniel because he he's married and has two kids which by the way daniel's son just to go real quick off topic i feel like they told him they were gonna like write him off the show or something he lost like a million pounds that kid was like a chunky kid in like the first couple seasons and this season he's just like skinny like completely skinny and i don't know if it was like my my wife said that you know he just got older you know kids when they get older and you know become like teenagers or preteens or whatever they lose like the baby fat but i don't know because he's like barely on the show as is but whatever that's just me speculating so now ali's back in town and they kind of flirt with the idea of johnny and her getting together like they go on this like nostalgic date to this little town fair and they're at the very end about to kiss like they're having a moment the very cliche thing happens of the phone ringing and interrupting that and up to this point up to about like an episode or 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 two before this johnny is single and you know ali's the the love of his life just like ali was like the first love of daniel's life and she's kind of like the one that got away but recently johnny started getting involved with miguel's mother because they they live in the same complex and they had a date in an earlier season but you know with the stuff that happened to miguel the mother blamed johnny because he was you know the karate sensei for just like getting him involved in it. But that relationship mended when Johnny was an instrumental part in him getting back on his feet and being able to walk again. And they wind up sleeping together, etc. So, but you know, nothing like official official. But I like the fact that they didn't make Allie the love interest. Um, and she kind of comes into the show and becomes like the mechanism by which the rivalry and feud and tension between daniel and johnny finally gets mended enough for them to start seeing things eye to eye and by the end of the final episode of the season they set up the subsequent season which is going to be pretty much miyagi though and eagle fang karate which is the quote-unquote cool name that johnny came up with for a new dojo with those two group of not rejects but like the people that quote unquote didn't hack it for Cobra Kai. They weren't like badass enough and like ruthless enough. They left and joined either Miyagi Do or now Eagle Fang. And they decided to like team up and the series ends with them coming together for their first joint session. Daniel and Johnny are next to each other, seeing each other as equals and as senseis of this new group of karate students that have the common goal of beating Cobra Kai in the All-Valley Tournament because Kreese agreed to like a winner-take-all type of scenario. He said if they beat him, then he'll he'll bounce. He'll leave town. He's gone for good. And that's going to be the theme of Season 4. Oh, and with the added like tension, which this show does really well, I feel, they made now Johnny's son, which used to be Daniel's student, and he was like one of the top tier like karate guys from all the groups, is now learning under Crease, the quote unquote bad guy. Cause he's pissed at Daniel for telling you know, talking him into like turning himself in. And, you know, he has a an estranged relationship with his father as is. 
so he's like fuck you to both of them and you know went to someone who was obviously eagerly willing to manipulate him and take him in and tell him what he wants to hear and the show does that very well throughout the throughout the series in terms of introducing like tension and conflict so definitely kudos to the writers on that and that is cobra kai streaming now on netflix seasons one two and three are available check it out schultz saves america is listed as a stand-up comedy special on netflix and it's not that it's more like a comedy moment it's a not a traditional stand-up special it's a social commentary and it's a four-part miniseries if you will of this social commentary which is a look back on 2020 it's by comedian and podcaster andrew schultz co-host of the brilliant idiots podcast with Charlemagne the god as well as the flagrant two podcast with akash singh and very apropos to andrew schultz this series originated on youtube so he was one of the comics that actually let me take a step back real quick Originally, for those of you who are not familiar, Andrew Schultz was a, or is a comic in New York. He had a comedy special, shopped it around to the, you know, the major networks. They all turned him down. And he took the strategy of, fuck it, you know, we created this ourselves. We shot it ourselves. I'm going to put it out on YouTube for free. And it was a great special, blew up. He gained a shitload of popularity. Then he doubled down and did it again with a a follow-up uh, crowd work special. That blew up as well. Then after that, the Netflixes, Amazons, etc. came knocking and, you know, were all too willing <laughs> to now um, put him on. But he was like, nah, now the price is way different. Like, I'm not accepting the deal I was shopping around four before. You know, clearly you guys saw the value of the work I was putting out, etc. And he's largely attributed to creating this avenue for comics that don't get the traditional Netflix, HBO, Amazon, Comedy Central, to a lesser extent, um, special. And what he did is put out his, his specials out for free in chunks with captions. And he did that in 15-minute increments every Friday, I believe it was, for, for a week. Uh, I'm sorry, for a month. And then at the end of that, you know, 15 minute increment four week process you had the full special available online for free and he also put up clips on instagram and since it has become a very profitable model and option for comics that don't get their netflix or amazon special straight off the bat and a bunch of comics have followed suit since etc 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 you know following like the the same format which is which is pretty dope and a testament to him so one thing that he was a proponent of during the pandemic was to hunker down and use this time as kind of like a gift to pour yourself into your creative endeavor because you're kind of like forced into this creative quote unquote prison because you don't have the option of going out and doing as many things as before and you no longer have to commute to and from work in, in most cases, et cetera. So a lot of the excuses that one would use in the past you don't have that anymore so he along with mark gagnon which is a co-host of the flagrant 2 podcast they co-created this show for youtube and uh, well actually mainly for instagram but it was also released on youtube called uh i'm not sure if it's this is what they called it but it was like a catchy thing of hey turn your phone because on Instagram, if you turn your phone to the side, you know, it doesn't do like that orientation flipping thing that most other like apps do. So that in and of itself was like a cool thing to do on Instagram, which nobody else had done before. And it was just this like social commentary on on a specific topic that was going on in like current events. That gained a shitload of popularity. He put out, I think like four, they put out uh, four or five of those. And then Netflix came with the bag, apparently. Because they made him an offer that obviously they accepted and they put together this four-part special called Schultz Saves America. And here are the four topics. Again, it's a look back on 
things that happened in this year, 2020. The first one is a 17-minute video called Coronavirus, The Pandemic Unmasked Our Pitiful Politicians. The second one is a 17-minute video titled Conspiracy Theories, Predators, Presidents, and Epstein's quote-unquote suicide. The third video is a 16-minute video titled Black Lives Matter, Protests, Police, and the Hollywood Hypocrites. And the fourth video is an 18-minute video titled A Nation Divided, Crybaby Cooper, and he's referring to Anderson Cooper, and Tantrum Tucker, he's referring to Tucker Carlson, are tearing the country in two. And in this series, it's a it's a deep dive social commentary on each of those topics, which they pull off masterfully, riddled with jokes, and both sides get it. Like, it's not just shitting on the left, it's not just shitting on the right, it's on just the hypocrisy of both sides, which is also refreshing. And it's like delivered at a rapid rate, joke after joke, bar after bar, point after point, back to back to back to back to back. And then on top of that, there's an additional layer where, you know, it's him just sitting down in a chair, but behind him, he has like the like green screen, like images and stuff like that. And then each of those images correspond to something that's being said. And not just those two things, the actual text or the closed captioning, if you will, also plays into the entire thing as like a third layer of jokes. So some like one sentence could have like three jokes within it, not just what he says verbally, but coupled with the imagery that you see behind them. And then the tertiary thing of the text. It's super dope, genius. It did not disappoint by any stretch. I loved the YouTube clips. I actually featured uh, a few of them in my weekly newsletter as a a video of the week, spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. And I was hoping that it was going to be more of the same or even edgier when it got to Netflix and not like watered down. And it definitely did not disappoint. And if you're a fan of like any of the podcasts and you listen to like uh, a bit more of how the like the sausage was made, you know that according to them, like Netflix had close to zero notes on the product that they delivered to them. I think he referenced there was like one joke. I forget which one it was, but it was like a, a side throwaway joke. Like they said, they mentioned the name of someone and Netflix's legal team said, technically, we can't use that person's name unless you can prove that they're a prostitute, which technically you can't because it's like an illegal activity or, or something like that, because then it would infringe on that person's ability to make money and then they could get sued, some shit like that. But it was literally the only note that was given to them, which from a creator's perspective is like amazing to hear. So kudos to Netflix for letting creators do what they do, especially in this PC culture world, which can get exhausting, especially when often those are the folks that need to hear things like this the most. And then the dopest thing of all is that they created it. It's like the same crew that does the podcast created this from Al directing it, having his directorial debut. Al is like the one of the producers on the podcast on Flagrant 2 and like shoots uh, Schultz's specials, like the specials that I referenced that, that were put up on YouTube and stuff like that. And his official quote-unquote directorial debut was on Netflix, which is dope. And, like, they were cracking on him, like, on the podcast saying, like, he w- he had to learn. He does, he uses, like, Final Cut Pro to cut, like, YouTube videos and stuff like that, which I've used before personally for the Today podcast. But with Netflix, it had to be on Premiere, which is, like, a different software uh, program. So they were, like, cracking on him saying that he was, like, directing and cutting cutting the videos together to deliver to Netflix. But he was, like on one screen doing the editing and then on the other screen he had like a youtube of like how do i move this to there on premiere (laughs) which is also like funny but also refreshing to hear because that's like the same shit that i do for example like when i'm using like a program that i don't know how to use or when i want to look something up on scrivener on how to use like a specific functionality or like on photoshop or whatever you know so that that was funny but yeah man definitely check it out it's called schultz saves america and is streaming now on netflix it's probably one of my favorite things that i watched last year and that's all i got folks that is episode 171 of the spun today podcast thank you very much for listening and i hope you stick around to listen to a couple of ways you can help support this show peace hey folks tony here if you're enjoying the show do me a favor 
rate and review it on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to help out the show in other ways, I'll give you a one-stop shop of sorts to do so. Go to spuntoday.com forward slash support. That's where you'll find a ton of different ways to help support this show, such as shopping on Amazon. If you do any shopping on Amazon, like most of the world, I ask that you do so by clicking on any of the Amazon banners on my website. This will take you to Amazon where you can do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Speaking of Amazon, they fulfill a bunch of the merch that I have available. If you go to spuntoday.com forward slash support, you're going to find a brand new merch section where you'll find the iconic Podcasts vs. Anybody Super Soft Premium Cotton T-Shirt. You'll also find the legendary Spun Today Podcast tee, which is in the style of the New York City Plastic Thank You Bags logo. For my fellow Dominicans out there, I have a dope Dominican Escudo t-shirt. You know where the Lacoste or Polo shirts have their little logo? Picture that, but instead, a Dominican Escudo. All available now in a variety of different colors for men and women in all sizes. In the Spun Today merch section, which again is at spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll also find a bunch of other t-shirt designs, long sleeve t-shirts, short sleeve t-shirts, color changing coffee mugs, and much, much more. Check out all the merch at spuntoday.com forward slash support. All of my short stories can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories. The free writing pieces that I read, share, and review during the free writing session episodes of this show can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. There you can read all the pieces that made the podcast as well as tons and tons of others. My books are available in any digital format of your choice, whether it's Kindle, Apple's iBooks, Kobo, you name it. They're also available in paperback. You can check them out at spuntoday.com forward slash books. My debut novel, Fractal, is a sci-fi time travel story of a group of righteous travelers that attempt to right the wrongs of the injustices of the past. My nonfiction, Make Way For You, is a collection of tips for getting out of your own way. So if you need some motivation, inspiration, and a good old-fashioned kick in the ass, that'll be the read for you. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books or search for those titles on Amazon. Another great and free way that you can help support this show is by subscribing to my newsletter by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. You'll get a photo, podcast, video, quote, and word of the week every single Monday at noon. What else do you have to look forward to on a Monday? Plus, you'll be the first to know whenever I publish a new book. And if for whatever reason you choose to, you can unsubscribe at any time. Go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you'll get the very next one. At spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll also find links to my Patreon, Ko-fi, and PayPal donation pages. Patreon and Ko-fi allow you to make recurring donations per episode, and you even get some bonus content for doing so. PayPal allows you to make a one-time donation to the show for my fellow writers and creatives out there a really cool way for you to be featured on this show is to respond to my five question spun today questionnaire i'll read your responses on a future episode of the show and share them with the spun today community think about it if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else why not share that to do so go to spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Spun Today on both those platforms. Check out and like the Spun Today Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. I'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to the Spun Today YouTube page. Just search for Spun Today on YouTube or click on any of the YouTube icons on my website. There you'll not only get the full versions of this podcast, but you'll also get bonus content like shortened episode clips, and much, much more. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism 
with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy.